Ryan, really, really excited to have you on the base to space. My name is Mewtwo, and I'm the the founder and host of the space. And cool. joined by my two co-hosts, Super High and Chase. Say what's up, guys. Hey, Ryan. Cool. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me on. And uh, me and Howard, appreciate really appreciate it. It's a great format. It'll be great to uh, participate. Hell yeah! Is this is this your uh, first Twitter space? Uh, it's the first where I participated. I mean, I've kind of jumped in some some ones just to listen, but I usually zone out after five minutes. But <laughs> this is pretty cool to be on the other side for sure. I might, I might, I'll probably join more moving forward now that I see uh, this type of engagement uh, going on in various communities. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is the wave, especially with crypto Twitter. Um, yep. Like all of our followers are notified. Every everyone's aware of the space and. Um, yeah, it's just like another way to connect with your, your audience. And obviously you guys have a huge community around unfed, so yep. it's another way to connect with them. Yep. Cool. Right on. Um, I always like to ask new people, like when they come onto the space, like how'd you, Ryan, how'd you get started in crypto? Um, let me see. It was, I, I was working, uh, for, uh, millennial media, which, which was a, a lot, one of the largest independent mobile advertising networks. I was I was leading the R&D and an engineer that I hired, I was looking over and he was just constantly all day checking a crypto chart of Bitcoin price. And he was just, he was like one of the biggest nerds I know, very security focused. I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at my Bitcoin go up. <laughs> And, uh, and and that got me like interested to sort of follow Bitcoin and follow how things are going. Um, you know, I I didn't put mo- I didn't put money in or anything. I, I I thought the technology was interesting. I was reading all the papers and all that. Um, and then I literally got more heads down into it when uh, my company, which was doing sort of location device analytics, was bought by a company, and they're like, "You're going to lead a." I, I Internet of Things identity uh, group, and we want you to build Internet of Things identity products. Um, and the first product we landed on was sort of a, a spin on public key infrastructure on how to manage keys when devices are being compromised all the time and being needed to be removed from the network and new ones joined and managing the key material became a problem. Um, and then you have to like assign an identity to a device. So I had two cryptography engineers, one had been mining Bitcoin and paying for his rent back in 2012. I was like, geez, gotta be rich now. But he he, he, uh, he was involved in the tech. He, We started to look at various uh, ways that some of this blockchain tech was was identifying devices, like doing identity. You know, you can put, put a key on and you can send messages and do things. We, we're doing lower level protocols like Telehash, sort of lower level cryptography protocols. But we started to do prototypes in Ethereum because it had the best developer tools, you know, couldn't do much in Bitcoin. Uh, we looked at other protocols like IOTA, you know, it's still around. I kind of look at it i'm like okay um and, and but we we would vet the technology is like iota could be compromised via game theory we're, we're like okay so that really got me sort of in the lower level of how important this technology could be applied in various industries um and then from there i went to asia in 2018 i did nothing but spend my crypto in asia i've probably been in every bank in philippines uh singapore <laughs> you know and met people to trade over the counter uh, my crypto from there, and in 2018 is when we kicked off this this concept. Me, me and me and Howard wanted to focus on the lending ecosystem. It's really what drives uh, 
finance, you know, monetary velocity from, you know, Howard has a great story about back in the day, people would trade apples, give up their apples for a promise of getting something else. Uh, and then we wrote the right white paper focused on Ethereum um, at first, and then and, and then the rest is sort of what you see now, how we developed from 2018, 19, and then primarily in 20, when we launched this, uh, the ERCL token. Wow, that's that's incredible. And like, what was kind of like the initial spark like that you guys said uh, that you guys were saying to go all in on on Fed? Um, Howard, I don't know if Howard's mic is working. Howard tells him a better story. I think I'm back. Am I back? Yep, I stalled with a long tech story for them, you know, on how I got into crypto, Howard. Why well, I give you a chance to get oh, the yeah. <laughs> You told them all the ones and zeros. Yeah, like, yeah. I tried to bore. I tried to bore them. <laughs> <laughs> what was so? What was the question? What got us to commit? Like to kind of go all in? The, the diner event. The diner event. Oh yeah, we were at the Tom Sawyer in uh, Saddlebrook, yep. famous for John Quinones's special of uh, of of what would you do? And uh, we had a plate of cheese fries and gravy, disco fries. And um, Ryan's telling me all about how everything is going to be bought and sold with Bitcoin and Ethereum and how there's going to be no need for money anymore. And I thought he was crazy, but he mentioned the fact that when you sold the stuff to actually like buy a pizza or whatever, you had to pay taxes. And I was like, man, there should be a way for people to get money. Like there should be a way for people to use crypto without having to sell it. And um, we just drove, you know, wrote on the back of a napkin, kind of like our own kind of borrowing lending protocol idea and uh just st started to go after it and we really and honestly i'll tell you something it's interesting so i remember we saw the dharma paper the first dharma paper that came out and i remember sitting there with a pen and being like i can't believe all these tech people took all these nice finance terms like underwrite uh and funding and everything and they made it all <laughs> they, they took all my finance language and made it all techie uh and so we, we kind of marked it up and put it aside and went after the traditional, you know, we, we were right behind BlockFi for 90 days and we were like going to go that route. And we had the brightest minds, Rye, remember that in SoCal? Everybody in a room? Yep. Yep. We had probably some of the top minds in the country in consumer lending literally price out the acquisition funnel the cost of capital, the losses. And they were like, you know what you can't do? You can't make a crypto for fiat loan in the same way you would make like a car loan because the costs would be ginormous for a secured piece of paper. The only way you can do it is if you gambled with the borrower's collateral. And they all sat here and they were like, oh yeah, this is how I would do it. I'd use it to cover shorts and I would do this and that. And I was like, we're not gonna ever do that. I'm like, I would never do that. I would never hypothecate uh, a Main Street USA borrower's collateral like that. Um, and so we spent two years trying to figure out how to do it. And then we ended up at DeFi. We ended up right where we started with Dharma. Uh, and um, so that, that's kind of how we got here. Yeah. That's crazy, man. No, your, your story is awesome. And, and was compliance always top of mind from the beginning? Yeah. I mean, I'm an Eagle Scout. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think uh, beyond that, too, you, you know, my first job out of college was at like an investment bank that, you know, made some questionable decisions and stuff. 
and I just saw like, yeah, these people made money, but they were doing it the wrong way and they all paid a price in the end. And then I went right from that to like a public company that was a gas company right around when Enron blew up. And then I was like, oh, so, so these are now public companies that are doing the wrong thing. Like, where can you go? And uh, then I ended up in banking. Uh, and you just, you know, and then finally I had an accounting firm for 10 years. And I think between banking and accounting, I really saw this, this, this idea of, look, if regulatory and following regulatory and compliance guidelines de-risks projects, I literally, I'm talking at the Wyoming stampede thing on Thursday, and um, I even put this in that, where I was like, if you want to raise the value of a project, you got two, you got two options. You either increase the benefit stream to the holder of the asset, or you lower the risk of receiving that benefit stream. Well, no one knows the real benefit streams of a lot of their projects, right? They, they don't really control how big the market and how much the market will bear cost-wise because it's still the great unknown. But you do know how risky you are. And if you are purposefully flying in the face of whatever jurisdictional you know, control you fall under, you're putting an unnecessary burden on the project. So, so, so just do it the right, you know, do it the right way and um, at, at least demonstrate that you're trying um, and you actually increase the value of your project doing so. No, a hundred percent. I, I had this question a little bit later, but maybe we can answer this now. Like from your perspective, like where do you see like U.S. regulations moving to and, um, and how is that going to be affecting like all the projects that aren't compliant or aren't even thinking about compliance at this point? Is this being taped? Is this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can cut it. We can cut it. <laughs> Not kidding. I you know what's funny too is I love, like Ryan said, I heard him. I can tell like from the people that are following the call, there's some really great unfit agents and folks on. And I, I love being around the family uh, and, and, and having these kind of talks. So I think the reality is, you know, my dad used to say, Stan is one of our advisors. He, he'd always say, how, you know what the golden rule is? And I'd say, what dad? He go, he who has the gold makes the rules. And, uh, you know, he was also kind of cynical in that regard. But the, but the idea being is, look, at, you know, at some point, uh, Uncle Sam is going to want their peace. Uh, every country that, you know, there's a great book called Bioeconomics by Michael Rothschild. And he talks about how all governments are kleptocracies. Not democracies, not republics, they're or theocracies, they're kleptocracies, meaning the government takes from everybody as much as they can, and they give you enough back, they give you just enough back so that you don't throw them out entirely. And 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 that's kind of the reality, right? That the government is going to get their peace. So you 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 just got I, I think at some point all projects are going to have some form of regulatory oversight if they don't already that they're going to have to comply with. And it, and it's it's not the worst thing in the world if it protects the consumer. You know, ultimately if it makes for a safer, better product and and a and a more fulfilling experience for the consumer, then all the regulatory stuff is worth it. If it's a power grab and they're just trying to centralize the thing that we're fighting so hard to make decentralized, 
that that's when I take upset, uh, I take exception. I don't know, Ryan. Do you have any thoughts on kind of regulatory stuff and where we're heading? Um, no, nothing other than I've you know, I you brought me closer to where your point of view is. You know, I you would always call me like a crypto anarchist. Like I want to be bankless and and work <laughs> in this perfect world of I I just transact via my my private keys and and, and all of that. Um, I, I think over time, over the course of two years, we you've got me toward the benefits of of having some sort of uh, framework in place um, where I'm not, I you know, there is no golden world where my head and my ideology ideology was. It's somewhere in the middle, and I feel they they two can play well yeah, together. And, um, and, and that's up, all. Right, and I've loosened up because there was a time mm -hmm. where where I really felt like. Well, what you were able to demonstrate to me, Rai, is that there are tasks that regulators ask you to perform because of how the data is handled. Like wherever there's a handoff, there has to be an audit. And what you've taught me is that with DeFi and just blockchain technology in general, you really remove about a third of those pain points. So it's not the fact that you know, to the government necessarily in regulation and oversight can take a break because there's just there's just less issues um, to to certain aspects of the transaction. And you've brought me off of my kind of high horse there, so I appreciate. Yep. That. Yep. yep. I'm actually curious. Um, you know, sticking on the topic of compliance, like what are what are some of the biggest roadblocks right now that you guys are facing building in the industry with kind of remaining compliant? The, you know, oddly enough, it is, it hasn't been terrible, you know, FinCEN and, and getting a, you know, MTL and money license and MSB, that process, we've had some really good, call it, you know, advisory and just kind of insight from, from the team and, and vendors and what have you, that if you demonstrate forward progress there's a an understanding that you can't snap your fingers and have everything watertight overnight so it's been very good to hear and see demonstrated that as long as you are being, being a good actor and and moving towards building that infrastructure and getting a little better at it all the time um you don't have to, it's not like the clock's going to run out. You know, it's not like they're going to throw the chains on and shut you down. Like as long as you are progressing, you're, you're in good shape. I'd say where the biggest adoption hurdles are with, in talking about blockchain and crypto is really source of funds. So when we talk with our, our potential bank customers and we talk about, um, with our non-bank lenders and our tribal banks and everything, uh, they, they, there's less skepticism about the technology and there's less skepticism about the regulatory environment and, and really of just a broader overarching concern of yeah, you, how do you demonstrate the source of funds is, uh, is, is vetted. So, so, so that if it, so, so if there's like a bouncing ball or a hot potato, you know, they're not, they're not going to get caught with it, but we're able to demonstrate that there's ways to track that too. You know, it's like chainless and 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 all sorts and and other things. But I would say that's where the biggest 
regulatory concern is, is that just no one wants to be left holding something that gets pulled from them because it wasn't properly vetted. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Real quick, Howard, while we're on compliance, um, I was wondering if you could speak on your partnership with Alliance Block, because I know that they're um, they're fully compliant with KYC and AML. So there, it's pending. It's not an inked partnership. The uh, We've had conversations about uh, really a, a thing about a strategic uh, marketing joint venture, you know, with, with Alliance Block, they are, what, what had happened was this, we had a lot of folks from around the world reach out to us with stories of, look, in our jurisdiction, we have the same problems you do. You know, central bank, a couple of big kind of private sector banks, and then a whole lot of folks that either are small banks clamoring at the big banks for money or non-banks that are just kind of SOL all over the place, right? So the, the same challenge in America, it's a global opportunity uh, from our perspective to just make markets more efficient. The So there's a, there was a group in Europe that came to us and they're, um, you know, like one of these, you know, hundreds of years old kind of wealth management kind of companies. And they were talking about crypto and wanting to be our EMEA licensees. Like they wanted to basically sell our product in Europe um, and get full, you know, domain over it. And, you know, we're working here on delivering products to the U.S. market. And so you have to think strategically like, okay, what do I do with my resources, right? Do you, do you, do you take the team off the field and, and send them over to Europe? Or do you, you keep chugging through here where, where you know the territory? And so we made a strategic decision to just focus on let's get the U.S. right keep it scalable as we go so that we can bring in other jurisdictions when because we know what we need we need boots on the ground in in finance we need boots on the ground ground and legal and a couple of inroads at non-bank lenders and whatever tax jurisdiction you have those three bodies you got the whole market so in talking with our european guys i'd known about alliance block uh for a while i liked you know i i, I like the story um I think we have a different way of approaching the issue, uh, but we both agree that we should be providing feedback, upwards feedback to like the regulatory compliance folks. Uh, and also their focus more on high net worth individuals as opposed to our focus on non-bank lenders. I was like, oh, there's enough daylight between us that let me hook you guys up with these European folks and that's really where the conversation was. Like they're not in a position where they're looking to to deliver what we're describing to the U.S. non-bank market. I can't speak for their business strategy, but that's kind of where where the call went. Um, and vice versa, we're not looking to you know, you know provide liquidity between like RIAs and high net worth individuals at this point. We're looking more at different classes of of, of wealth and liquidity. Does that make sense? So so we have an alignment. But we're we're in, in in different territory. But we are we both believe in that same kind of principled regulatory compliance approach uh, for for everyone to be successful. Yeah, no, definitely that it, it makes sense. You know, just staying in your lane uh, with helping smaller people. You know, smaller banks, and then yeah. So I appreciate you touching on that.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Yeah, great outfit. And, uh, you, you know, uh, again, to me, the most exciting part is this idea of forming councils, right? When Gary Gensler speaks, it would be great if, you know, Lex Sokolin and Cagney and me, uh, you know, bring in Amber from, from ALBT, uh, you, you know, so, some other kind of heavy hitters here. Um, I, I was, I was at Mainnet today in New York and, uh, uh, Mashinsky was walking around, you know, like having a, having a group of professionals that are kind of the vanguard of the different areas providing, you know, maybe a little lobbying money, but, but more so than that, like providing constructive kind of treaties on, on, on ways to regulate and, and oversee our industry without having that dictated to us by folks that really don't understand the technology. I think that's a little bit of the tail wagging the dog. So, so there's an opportunity for us to get ahead of it and be a thought leader that that's where Alliance Block wants to go. And that's, um, and we're on the same page with them there. That's, that's super exciting to hear that you're focused on, um, just being fully compliant. So the people that, you know, use your protocol have nothing to worry about. Um, and I kind of just want to switch gears more on unfed as a protocol. Could you describe for somebody that maybe doesn't, hasn't read anything about unfed, uh, how the token is used across the platform? Yeah, sure. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you, I'm going to, I'll pick up the ball, but I'm going to hand it off to you and you can talk about some of the more technical aspects of the, of of what we got going on. Uh, so the, the token is a digital marker, uh, which is a term I just picked up and I love like, uh, I, there was that figure New York community bank announcement where they talked about how they're using figures, new digital marker to transfer instead of stable coin. And, and, the, and you always got to watch that, like the use of language, because if like something like stable coin kind of triggers certain action, it's going to, you know, change the name, right. And kind of change the sentiment. So they, they use the term digital marker instead of uh, stable coin. And, uh, and, and I like the term digital marker for, for kind of crypto in general. Uh, so e-residual is a digital marker for our software platform to recognize that our hosts have access to the DeFi platform itself. So right now we have reserve lending. So reserve lending is up and anyone with a wallet, uh, unless it's an OFAC or a prohibited wallet, can connect and supply and borrow. And it's the same, you know, kind of basic compound fork uh, and what have you. We have added our own ability to read whether your wallet holds e-residual or not. And the way you can tell is if you use our borrowing and lending, if you use reserve lending, if you have e-residual in your wallet, you'll see like a little star uh, up by your name. And if you if you don't, you get a little prompt on where to go to buy some. Uh, so we're we're already toying with that technology of okay i can identify that you have the token in your wallet great well remember our hosts are are really host banks that are allowing these non-bank lenders to uh manage cash between each other right it's kind of like the 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 host is 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 like a, a hub and all the different users are the spokes well you know, we are entitled as a software company because we're a software company to collect a licensing fee for this banking software. Everyone does it. And so the way we intend to charge the licensing fee is really simply a, 
a, a, like a reserve factor on a DeFi platform today, a small percentage of whatever rate the host, the platform that the host is hosting charges to the borrowers gets scraped off, gets sent from the host back to us. And we use a portion of that fee that comes back to us to then buy our token out of the market, put in a wallet in the name of the host. And we, we basically don't have to like stay on top of where our software users are in terms of their license. Like we know that they're able to use the software because they've been paying their licensing fee. How do I know that? Because they have this e-residual in their wallets. And then we'll develop a mechanism to, you know, run that out, right? So that like, you know, you, you can see kind of that, um, you know, reduction in the, in the licensing fee tracking so that we know that, hey, we got, we got to turn them off when it gets to zero. So the token is, is really used in the, you know, the end game is, is really, like I said, as a digital marker for the licensing fee. In the interim, um, it has DAO-like capabilities. Our logo, uh, new token we just listed. Um, gosh, uh, we're voting on um, collateral factor adjustments. Uh, either, I think tomorrow the vote will go up if it's not already up, but the vote will go up, go up tomorrow for a schema. So, so we have like quasi-DAO uh, capabilities that are associated with our token. But then ultimately the economic value is the fact that it, it it's our way of tracking the hosts that have paid their fees. Do you follow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With the uh, with Me the DAO, can any can any user submit something uh, to be adjusted on the protocol or how do, how does the DAO currently operate? Uh Ryan, that's all it's a snapshot vote, right? And then yeah. if you have your token, right. your vote gets counted, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, we're getting ready to launch as part of what Howard said, uh, sort of a, a forum um, similar to other projects, sushi and whatnot, to provide initial signaling of things that could go up for a vote. But in order to interact with Snapshot, you, you must be with our two um, snapshots. We have untoken voting, which is if you're a supplier, uh, you get the receipt token untoken. So we don't want to lose votes and, and influence there. And then we also have a snapshot for our main e-residual token. Um, you, ha you, hold the you have to hold the token um, in order to vote. Uh, folks can make, you know, make form posts coming this week to signal an activity that they would like us to take. A threaded discussion within, the, within that form will take place, similar to AVE and, Snapch and, uh, and Sushi. And then the snapshot voting is the true signal of the community. You know how many tokens participate. Um, you know what's a quorum going to look like, uh, and then what, how does the how do the votes of the two uh, un e residual and and un uh, and then normal e residual how do how do they add up to really provide community signaling um, and participation and and in order to guide us into what next actions to take. So it's typical snapshot. I mean, if you lot of snapshots. You know what? Uh, you know what's cool, Ryan, when you describe it. I love hearing you describe it. What's cool? It's like, you know, we have internal governance too. We have a, a pricing and product committee, and we have an ALCO committee, and we actually have representatives on that committee, like uh, Sovereign. You know, Sovereign Sam. You see him as a moderator. He's a, our head of uh, of uh, customer success and 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 business development. You you know, so we, it's it's interesting that there's almost like this Senate House of Representatives thing going on where where we, we put these proposals up internally, but then we also, you know, as part of that process, we look at the community to approve it. And there's, and it's, 
it's this really cool. I, I feel like it's the best of both worlds where where you, you do have this symbiosis between the community um, and, and maybe like more call it product, you, you know, traditional product uh, focus governance. Uh, and really, I, I, I honestly believe this, that give it, you know, give us 30 days, give us 60 days. I honestly think our DeFi platform will probably be the example that other DeFi projects look to, not just from user experience, um, but and but also functionality, but also this governance concept where they're like, hey, you know what? There, there's a good balance here. Uh, but I, I honestly, I like the DAO. I, I I do really appreciate the DAO aspects of, of DeFi, and would honestly love to see something like the whole project lifted to DAO status. You, you know, over time, but but it has to be done in a curated manner. You can't just. I, I don't. I don't think it's responsible to to anybody to just kind of flip a switch, and 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 let folks just have at it. Not yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred, a hundred percent. And like when you're saying it's going to be like the example of of DeFi. Like, what what do you view as like the key points that are going to set it apart? Like, you know, obviously user experience is a really big one. Like, um, I don't. I don't see a lot of uh, DeFi products having that great of UX, um, especially for like newbie newbie retail that's maybe just doing their first DeFi transaction ever. Um, but is there anything else there that that you could touch on? Well, I th I think it it goes back to our principles. You know, we have these five principles of safety, courtesy, inclusivity, efficiency, and show, and and the whole business runs off of those five principles. First off. I, I mean, I don't, I don't go around reading the mission, vision, and value statements of the other DeFi platforms out there, um, and I'd impress it upon those folks that are listening that if they are in those projects, it's a great thing to have. But, but I, I, I think because we work from our principles out, because we work from known technologies out, um, we aren't necessary. We're not the ones that are going to pivot on a dime and in the course of a few days be like. Hey, we're totally we're we're doing this new thing because this is the hot thing, right? We're gonna we're gonna take a measured approach because it's through that measured approach we can live to our principles, provide the best opportunity for our customer success, and let them know that they're in good hands. I mean, that, at the end of the day, right? You're talking about being the bank. Every individual that shows up and supplies something on the platform is a bank. Every every company that has a treasury has the ability to be a bank. Every non-bank lender has a be can be a bank. So so the rea our, our role is to is to provide a in a responsible manner, a, a safe and effective way for individuals to be their own bank. And it's through this that that kind of combined governance of folks that have been in banking for like I think like I said our combined team experience is like two hundred plus years in banking, and and and. To take that kind of knowledge about banking and taking care of the Main Street customer and taking care of, of, of kids and grandmas, combined with the, the, the energy and the excitement and the wisdom of the community. You know, there's just brilliant minds in crypto that are like, this is what we're seeing elsewhere. This is what works. This is the way you need to move. The blend of that nimble, brilliant, experienced, excited community with that measured history of banking, really the best the best pieces of both um, will just create a world class product as a result. It, it 
it, it's a foregone conclusion in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I checked out the team and it, it's stellar. Um, I'm curious, like, how are you guys um, planning to work like the tax reporting on the platform? Because we don't really see a lot of DeFi related protocols even supporting any type of tax initiative currently. Well, you know, first off, we're not tax specialists or tax advisors. So we, we rely on folks just like anybody else. In fact, we have an affiliation with a company called Computus out of Atlanta, Georgia. We've uh, been affiliated with them for, gosh, going on two years now. Uh, and they got a, a real just kind of crackerjack program of looking at wallets and, and coming up with ways of looking at transactions from even the most, call it, uh, you know, excited trader, right? These guys have a way to kind of peel back the onion and and get you set up for success there. Uh, so so if there is a tax question, you always got to refer to those experts. Um, as a company, uh, we we leverage both outsource CFO services and these guys to help put our books together. But if I could, as a follow, if I may just ask you back a question, what 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 would you like to see? I guess that's that's the question here. Is that what would you like to see platforms like ours provide as far as tax support for its users? Yeah, I think I think for me at like a bare minimum, providing like an Excel sheet or a downloadable CSV of just kind of all the activities I've done on that particular DeFi platform would be extremely helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. Even to uh, verify, you know, my manual records to make sure that I'm logging everything correctly and, and tracking appro appropriately. Well, I like that. Rye, can we do it? You want you put a ticket in? Are you in front of your computer too or no? <laughs> yeah, I'm of course taking notes, taking feedback. And remember, it was like mid last year, early earlier in the year before we launched the token, where we actually had a we actually wrote a utility for Computus to to <laughs> parse and extract uh, the data. And then it was a great like three hour sort of brainstorming session with them on, they would add and flatten into normal tax accounting terms, what we were exporting from Etherscan. And we used my wallets as an example. And it was a lot like I, I, I was doing circle uh, and doing a lot of previous yield farming. So a lot of the transactions they hadn't seen before. So it was really a collaborative event to to overlay how to flatten the transactions into normal accounting terms. And then me brain dumping on them, uh, you know, three or four wallets that were a total DeFi yield farming, you know, it, it, you know, something that no one had seen before because it was early, you know, early when Curve just came out and Yearn and, and I was farming Yearn and, and all that. So it was, it was a great collaboration and, and that's why I feel great about the partnership. And yes, I took that I as a, as a great note. idea. Let's, and you said the the company name was Computus. Yeah, Computus, I, or and or a crypto tax. I I don't know if they they have they have two different companies, but Computus out of yep. Alpharetta, Georgia. Right, yep. you know it would be great. This would be great because I got to yep. talk to I got to talk to Sloan next week anyway. We could, um, you know, how we were trying to get them, like we did the intro to Binance and stuff with them, mm -hmm. where they would provide those kind of gain loss statements mm -hmm. for like everybody on Binance. Remember yep. that? Yep. We could have them do that, do that for us. Like basically if you're, you have to have your wallet attached, right? Yep. But um, have them like produce a yep. gain loss statement. That's cool. Yep. 
Yep, yep, yep. And I know some of the, a lot of the community questions and even internally on the team is is some of the tax advice. We're not tax advisors, but a lot of questions are around just, you know, when you're exchanging and staking and you're getting receipt tokens, what are the tax consequences? And a lot of folks are nervous whenever they're exchanging things, you know, so you having them and providing some sort of guidance as well would be, you know, as well as reporting um, on implications of taking XYZ actions on your platform is is, is also a value add. I'd be interested to get feedback on from the community on, on stuff like that. Let, let me ask you this. If they did, because remember, like you have all the anonymous wallets, like if they did gain loss on all the attached wallets and drop and, and converted it to like an ERC token and dropped it in their wallet, would people not like that if they got like a gain loss statement from us in their wallet? Uh, like an NFT or something with some metadata yeah. attached, like yeah, a metadata, gonna, a document attached or something. Or? Yeah, exactly. Like here's, here's, a, you know, your unfed 1099 basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, that would be cool. And I, I find NFTs are interesting and IPFS, like you have like NFTs can be a communication mechanism if you're dropping an NFT with meaningful value. I, you know, I've been dipping into NFTs and why 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 TVL is moving there, you know, and it's 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 pretty interesting when you like an NFT that represents a tax report dropped in your wallet that attaches to an IPFS report. But yeah. again, privacy needs to be uh, important. Needs to be right? There's, right? Are you going to trust ways, There's trust ways it. through, there's ways through, but, um, but it, it is an interesting concept. And yeah. All right. Sorry, guys. I just like the right. idea. Sorry. We got Sorry. Went, went down a little tangent there, <laughs> which can happen sometimes in crypto. <laughs> it's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. I got um I got I got rugs, so sorry if this was already addressed why I was reconnecting. But in line you guys were talking about the action that you can take on the platform and being able to track for tax reporting purposes. So in line we're talking about the services um that you guys provide. Can you guys kind of touch on the supply assets and the borrow assets and kind of how that works within the ecosystem? Uh Ryan, do you want to talk at a high level? I mean, we have the nine tokens. Is that what you, I assume that's what you're referring to? Like what tokens you can supply and and, and what have you? Yeah, just like as yeah. a user, um, you know, how yeah. can you use the reserve lending? Yeah, I can talk, I can talk through that. I mean, it is a it is a standard DeFi lending protocol. I mean, it is very similar to AVE, and and we're we're actually a fork of Compound um, for various reasons. Um, you you supply you do supply an asset. You can just supply the asset and earn a return um, just on its own merit because people will be borrowing from that supply. You can also enable it as collateral via a toggle, um, which which gives you a sort of an on-chain sort of I'm enabling this asset. And you can then borrow up to your collateral factor of that asset um, accordingly. Um, and so it does, you know, and from there it gets a little more complicated. You might, you might, um, you might supply five different assets with five different collateral factors with price prices moving on underneath. We do have Chainlink Oracles for everything but e-residual right now, but we do have an active Telegram channel and, and I really love how they actually leaned in with us uh, pretty heavily three weeks ago on like, what does this look like moving forward? Here's let's get measurable metrics of what we want to see from your liquidity depth. Um, so it does take in those factors, but if it is, since it's a fork of compound, you can really get an idea of of how the protocol works, and and, and I just explain it in a pretty basic sense. Any questions around what I described? Any any anything that I might have confused or? 
No, that, that makes complete sense. Okay, um, sure. you know, but our, our listeners, you know, we have a range of listeners from beginners, intermediate to experts. So it's just always good to kind of cover. Um, okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, a, I think like from a simple, I know if you have a wallet and you have those tokens in it, you can attach it, you can supply it and you can borrow it. And if you hold our token, you get a gold star. That's kind of like the big, that's the beginning and the end of my, uh, <laughs> how I'd use it. <laughs> and I'm actually curious, you know, look on your guys' website. Um, you guys kind of have the, like the infographic showing, uh, your rates. I'm curious, like, is that, is that sustainable to be able to apply, um, you know, the higher interest returns, the APYs, or will that kind of even out as more liquidity starts to flow in through the protocol? Yeah. So Rye, I can, I can hit that. Uh, sure. so, so we use, uh, various interest rate models for each of the pairs. And the, if you go back to grade school and you think about proportions, you know, like a over X equals B over Y. And, uh, if I lost folks at proport, then I'm sorry, but if you remember, it just kind of good old fashioned proportions, essentially the amount of interest paid to the suppliers is a function to, uh, a function of how much interest the borrowers are paying, uh, less that reserve factor. And so you do have the option with these interest rate models to set inflection points where rates get very high for borrowers to basically encourage them to pay off their loans so that it frees up liquidity and vice versa. And then as you fall below uh, certain ratios of utilization, the rates also drop. Uh, so part of our game plan is, again, this is the community's platform. If you think about it, I'm asking you to be the bank. So you should have a transparent and absolutely clear understanding as to how all the numbers on the page are calculated, right? Like, if, like think about it, guys. Like, you're coming in with your money. I'm asking you to put your money and supply it on the platform. Um, you, you, the, 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 how an interest rate is calculated or shown can't be guesswork. It can't be surprised, right? You should know 110%. So you can do your own modeling. So one of the things that um, we are developing from that transparency perspective are dashboards and tools that um, I don't think they're going to be permission to e-residual holders. We've been talking about ways to help the utility and stuff like that. But I think something as basic as how the interest rate models work should be much, much, uh, should be as transparent as it can possibly be. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the rates right now in the stable coins were the rates that were put in effect when we were looking to dislodge some of the stable coin borrow side. And we think we got it pretty much to the point that, that we're going to get it right. Cause the folks that are now stable coin borrowers paying in the mid thirties, they're, they're clearly comfortable doing that for a variety of reasons. So, um, you know, our next move is to adjust the collateral factors based on what the community decides is the right thing to do. And we hope that loosens it up. And then the last thing is going to, you know, not the last thing, but the next thing is we are talking about, gosh, the protocols on, on integrations. We're talking to the DEXs about, you know, different liquidity pools and all those kinds of options. All the things to really kind of bring, put the wind in the sails that we want to bring, uh, you know, to bear after we we get some of these factors figured out but those rates will change based off of the ratio of supply to demand 
that, did that answer your question? Jason? Yeah. <laughs> I hope, hopefully it doesn't. Yeah, is that no, completely. Uh, yeah, thank you for diving into that. Um, Howard, kind of switching gears, um, I, more of like a hypothetical situation. Uh, does Unfed plan on onboarding traditional banks, say like Wells Fargo, to integrate a DeFi solution um, and kind of provide more retail customers that don't really want to get into the DeFi space? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we have a memo of understanding with, a publicly traded bank currently uh we are no i don't say we're sitting on on that announcement but they're legal like 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 we just announced the percent thing we're developing some of the products so i to to call to to announce publicly who that public bank is um without having the the you know what i want to have in place with them as far as here's the development roadmap we're going to do uh, in place, it's a little premature, but there, the idea is, see, you know, Wells Fargo, great example. That's one of those big banks that, that is already kind of call it crowding out other liquidity providers, uh, just from their, their scale. And so I would, I would say that of the banks domestically, we're talking to, they are banks that have assets in the range of five to 40 billion. All right, so if you think about those banks, it's the banks that have five to 40 billion are the ones that are that have the big enough balance sheet to be interested in our, in our product because it comes with a big deposit base of these non-bank lenders. And they, they obviously you know, do make some money on the spread, um, and, but they're not so big that you're dealing, like you're, you're, you're having to cut across like five silos. Right. So, so I would say the sweet spot for the bank that adopts DeFi first is going to be that five to $40 billion asset bank. Uh, but yeah, we are talking to those. I'm more interested in the non-bank lenders, quite frankly. I can't, I can't tell you, like it'll, it'll break your heart. You talk to, uh, gosh, uh, you know, one of these tribal lenders where, where, you know, they, they have a customer base, uh, in the, in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, and 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 they can't cut, you know, get bank accounts. They they can't get more than than a handful of sources of liquidity, including family offices, casinos, uh, marijuana related businesses, like like uh, all because they're just kind of cut out from the just just sort of like the, the the rest of the national banking system. So an entity like that 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 is is moving billions of dollars of paper they have hundreds of millions of dollars of cash at any given time i'm more excited to help them be the bank than i am helping a wells fargo be a bigger bank that makes uh sense thank you also um i know we're kind of going short on time here we typically let people up from the audience to ask questions you know members from the community just people listen uh would you be down for that yeah please well, yeah go for it sweet if anybody wants to request or had a question for uh both ryan or howard definitely request what you on one at a time while we're uh we're waiting for someone to join in from the uh, audience ryan and howard um can you guys kind of give us like a high level view like what do you guys kind of see playing out for the next you know couple of years for unfed well, you know, we're, we're, 
going down the roadmap, releasing products, I would say that in the past month, what's been interesting is the number of funds that have come to us and said, if you come up with a way to get DeFi folks and crypto accumulated wealth individuals into our funds, they'll cover they'll cover as much of the build as we need them to. And they're obviously going to handle the marketing uh, and, and the fund management piece. And each one of those funds, you, you know, when I have the conversation with them and they describe why they want to be represented, you know, through our platform um, and, they, and they tell me some of the mission and the vision that, that they have. Uh, you, you know, uh, merchant cash advance companies that help like urban area stores, you know, franchises, mom and pops, uh, you, you know, again, the tribal lenders, um, there's a micro lending fund, um, uh, and the, and these guys all generate yields in the, in, in, you know, for the, for, with, with a decent amount of safety attached, uh, they're generating yields in the eight, nine, 10% range. And if you can get a non-Ethereum or non-crypto correlated investment at you know eight to ten percent with maybe a sixty to ninety day lockup, you know it's one of these things where uh, the they could really use what our community and what the crypto community has available to it. Um, it's being done for the right reason, um, and, and and what I see is our platform being a place where like i said the folks that are are done going from farm to farm to farm uh or or maybe there's a, a correction or, or or for whatever maybe they're going on vacation and they don't have to worry about where their stuff is um giving giving folks an opportunity to invest in just a litany of retail funds uh without incurring any of the tax consequences that come from a, you know a sale Right, being able to get into traditional finance without having to make a sale and pay your taxes, and, and I think that's a win. So that's where I see I see the reserve lending, the DeFi platform, really just again maturing, multi-chain, uh, you know, different types of pools, different types of fund treasury tools. But then I see reserve funding really being this place where these 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 under banked these under federal reserved non-bank lenders can go to their source of capital and then i see at the b2b level um really our software being used to make more efficient some of the major uh call it securities infrastructure in the united states the repo markets the the dtcc etc you know sky's the limit that's awesome thank you for uh diving into that I uh, see we have our, our first guest speaker up here, uh, Bobby. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Uh, this is That Guy Fades. Hi, Howard. Um, so I have a question regarding the um, digital licensing fee. So you mentioned how if a licensee were to hold ERCL in their wallet, you guys will be able to see that and know they're holding that and therefore you know they have paid a licensing fee now i know it hasn't been decided whether there's going to be a, some sort of burn mechanism or lockup or distribution but given one of those things were to occur what's going to be in the licensee's wallet is it going to be a token is it going to be 50 percent? and if it is a significant amount 
what keeps them from selling? So we would maintain custody of those tokens. It's it's our it's it's our software's digital marker to uh, to to know whether or not that host is permissioned or that you know if that fund is permissioned to use the software. You know, this isn't something where they're paying uh, and and I'm sorry, I haven't made this clear and definitely want to have I'll put a medium article out that that it kind of stick and boxes it a little. So if you think about the host being this this public bank, right? Well, this public bank has a number of suppliers and borrowers on its you, you know safe harbor DeFi built on our rails, right? So so this bank has banking customers that are engaged in DeFi using our rails and they're all KYC to the bank and what have you. Well, the all the borrowers, the cumulative borrowers of that bank um uh, a, like a reserve factor if you will because because if, if you recall or may not recall but if you think about it all the suppliers and borrowers in this bank are really just going to be supplying and borrowing in usdc it's really using a stable coin as a digital marker to, to kind of balance the accounts between these these banks customers so let's say the average rate on all the borrowers borrowers on that host's instance of uh you know reserve b2b um is about four percent okay so all the borrowers are four percent the suppliers get two percent the, the bank makes two they're excited the suppliers are happy for getting their two percent interest the borrowers are happy they're only paying four percent the bank gets two percent reserve residual token on federal reserve says you got to pay uh 50 basis points uh, half a percent of that one and a half to us. That's our licensing fee. So then we take that half of a percent, we take that 50 basis points and and say we allocate half of that to uh, go out and buy e-residual on behalf of that host. We put it into a wallet that we have the keys and we know it's their wallet. And so as that wallet has the residual and there's some depletion mechanism built in, like you said, the burning, the, the Robin Hood redistribution, the, 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 hold, the holding in perpetuity, right? Whatever, whatever everyone decides we, we do with that digital marker, um, the, the host itself never has possession of it. It is simply our way of keeping track of who's paid their licensing fee. Does that, does that answer the question? Yes. Okay. So the host does not have the actual tokens and the subscription sort of depletes over time, I would assume. And then they have to buy more or renew their subscription. Yeah. And it's really, and it's really a function of their, their borrowers, right? Like as long as they have a healthy, a healthy borrower ecosystem at their bank using the supply that the, all these other non-bank lenders are providing. Cause remember the non-bank lenders, that are providing their supply, they could have their cash being swept to Chase or Wells and getting paid zero on it. So, so there needs to be a reason why they're saving at the host. And if the reason they're saving at the host is because they're earning 2%, well, someone needs to be paying 4% in order for them to earn their two. Uh, and, and so there's a motivation on the part of the host to go out and increase their lender base so, <laughs> because it makes them more profitable and they got a great thing to market. You know, that's what that's what the bank that we're dealing with loves. The the fact that the bank the bank that we're dealing with knows that there are four or five non-bank lenders already interested in being supplier borrowers just 
you know, we got to get from here to there. And there's tech and regulatory and legal uh, all tied to that. All right. Great. Thanks for answering my question. Anytime, man. And if you're a holder, thanks for being a holder. And if you're not, then reconsider. But <laughs> either, either way, <laughs> I appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on, Bobby. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, Bobby's definitely a good holder. He's actually submitted a bug bounty. He's an active participant to improve security and the economic security of the platform. So we always appreciate you, Bobby. Thanks for asking. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Oh, nice. That's cool, man. Yep. Thank, I, I thank you. I, I got to tell you, I mean, the, the, the best thing about waking up every day, you know, my unfed gear is just being part of something that is, is such a collective effort. And, and I, I know not everybody involved in the project is like, you know, whole wholesome and wholehearted and all that jazz. And I know people have different motives for being, but, but it's, it's just like meeting a guy like Bobby, right. Who I'd never meet. If, if not for, for doing this with Ryan. So, so just one of the little joys of, of being part of something like this. Thank you. Yeah. We actually talk about that a lot here in the spaces is, is um, this is a, a special place because where else in person are you going to get in a room with 80 people to talk about something like this from all different calibers of being in the industry? Like there's a lot of beginners. There's a lot of people that are intermediate. And then obviously there's the pros and, I just don't see anywhere else where people can communicate like this. Um, so this, this medium Twitter spaces is definitely something special. Nice. What's going on, Keith? Hey, Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Hey. And, uh, and also thanks Mewtwo. You're probably my favorite, uh, Pokemon. So thanks for having me on here. Um, I have, I have two questions, uh, if that's allowed, um, for, for Howard. And I would say, and one is probably, I guess, more of a comment. Um, and so I'll start with that one because we kind of talk taxes and I know you guys aren't tax experts, but I love the fact that you mentioned, um, you know, really what got you guys into the, the, the idea when you first started was, hey, I wish that you could, you know, go through a loan process and, you know, not have to sell and take the, um, the hit of some of those taxes. And, and to my understanding, the borrowing side in, in crypto, at least for now, is not a taxable event. And I know you guys can't really talk about that, but I do think, I mean, I live in California. California, we get taxed like crazy. And a lot of holders out there, especially just in any other project of the, the fiats and, or the, um, the different uh, uh, coins that they hold, they have a fear of, well, you know, what's the taxes and, you know, how's that going to play a part? And if there is an outlet, I know Compound's similar and they can go to Aave and whatnot, but if I, you know, take a loan out and I'm able to borrow and put some collateral down and avoid a taxable event, it allows for me to have these options to invest in, you know, even with ERSDL, invest in a whole bunch of different types of assets that I would never have been able to. And I think that whole, I guess, message is something that I don't think a lot of people really understand. Am I correct by that, by the way? I would I'd say in part, right? Borrowing is not a taxable event as long as you pay back the loan. Correct, yes. If, if, if you don't pay back the loan and you go into default, then at least in the States, 
the lender of record can uh, submit a forgiveness letter to you and to the IRS. And, you know, you're basically saying like, hey, look, you know, we've forgiven your loan, right? Like that's the only recourse that the lender of record has. If your loan is forgiven, the IRS recognizes that as income. And so if you, you know, in the, in the instance where somebody say borrows, you know, 80 cents on the dollar of stable coin against a moonshot in a way to kind of affect a sale without having a sale, if that borrower isn't a total anon and is, is doxed in any way, then, you know, essentially uh, you could get a forgiveness letter and then have to deal with it. But absence of forgiveness letter a, a loan in and of itself is not a taxable event so you're right okay, there cool all right and then my my i guess my actual question um because i know you you go to these banks and there are some banks that just i'm sure give you a hard time with getting into DeFi. what what do you see is the biggest hurdle for getting some of these banks to buy in the you, you know it's funny being in professional services for you know better part partner at, at a top accounting firm uh and obviously my time at kpmg and the big four you learn from a sales perspective um it's like groundhog day you know you have the conversation and you see where it goes and you and you step in the puddle or you you know you 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 correct your misstep you know every time you have the conversation you you get better at messaging in a way that reflects more of what they want to hear while still being genuine to the product okay and being authentic uh, and being honest and so what i've learned is to walk into a regional bank that five billion to 40 billion dollar bank and try to you can't sell them on the immutable record bit. You can't sell them on trust lists. These are things that just are not said or not understood, right? So there's a translation error. So the biggest hurdle is navigating the banks with the proper language. Like e-residual acts as a digital marker to track your licensing fee, right? So there I've described our token, right? I didn't even tell you we had a token. I just said e-residual. I didn't say stable coin, cryptocurrency, digital asset. I made no indication as to this thing being a thing of value, right? So now I've not scared them off there. And then I've said it's, it's to cover the licensing fee for our software, something they already pay and are used to doing. So then the question automatically goes away from the, like the crypto issue and the blockchain issue are completely avoided because I'm not selling the technology. I'm selling an ability to a host to increase their deposit base, increase their lending base, do it for less money than they would with their traditional software. Uh, and it's more secure. So, so that that that's the hurdle. The, hur the hurdle is keeping the language. It's like playing operation and taking out the wishbone. You know, you touch the side, get the old. You know, no one likes that. No one yeah. likes that. So that so that that's the hurdle. Okay, cool. 
All right. And everything else, uh, just love what you guys are doing. Love all the work and all the grassroots stuff you've been doing. So keep it up. <laughs> you too. Great. Thanks for coming on, Keith. Appreciate it. Howard, Ryan, just want to do a quick time check for you guys. 11.06. Where yeah, I no, how, how are we doing? <laughs> 8.06. <laughs> You're a funny one, Howard. I can tell. <laughs> Well, you know, looks hard and everything. You know, so. <laughs> Do you guys have time for a few more people? Ryan, I'm cool. Yeah, Are I can cool? keep going. No problem. Of course. Cool. Sounds great. Yeah, sweet. You have a few more people requested. Little link. I see you, brother. Hey, you with us, little link? Hey, sorry. I messed up there. Um, I have a question for you. If this has been uncomfortable, just tell me to shut up. Um, so I was heavily invested um, in eResidual before the platform launch. Um, and then obviously there was like some pretty harsh price action. And I've always wanted to. And so I basically ended up like losing a lot of money and I sold. And I always wanted to invest oh. again. But I was a little bit um, skeptical just because there was a lot of rumors and FUD kind of swirling after like the original um, platform drop. And I still to this day don't know if anything was wrong with that or I just wanted to get like what your take on was on that event. Not necessarily the price action, but was there anything in the platform that um, was like the cause of that? Yeah, you know, I, I got to tell you, um, there, there have been three days in my life that like were just some really bad days, right? One was when my, my mom died. That was a tough day to have to deal with that. Um, second was I was pushing my kid on a, a swing. I don't really talk about my family all that much, but I'll, I'll say it here. And he fell off and he, and he fell and he hit his head and I had to take him to the hospital. And I was really, I mean, he was, he was really young, you know, and it, it really just wrecked me thinking like, you know, that like, I, I can't believe this happened. And the, I would say the night almost after the launch of the platform, as I can kind of see everything unfolding and I'm sitting here and I was like, as, 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 you know, the price was dropping and there was all this kind of, you know, all the comments and um, it, those were, those are like really probably the three toughest kind of times to have to go through. And, you know, we've had obviously a couple of months of, to, to, of retrospect here um and frankly a lot of really great things in my opinion came out of it i mean the the fact that we do our bi-weekly town halls and the um the 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 this notion of you know we're not a bank and that this is the supplier's money and we're just the stewards for the rails that the suppliers use to be the bank and um the uh kind of the, the, you know, the greater commitment to transparency and, and, and the ambassador program. And so there were a lot of, of really good things that came out after the fact, but the price paid was too great. You know, too many people, um, you know, including some of my neighbors, you know what I mean? Like, like, obviously I'm not out here like shilling my token, right? Like I'm just not that guy. 
Um, but there, you, you know, there are people that are in my family and community that, that also, you, you know, were like, Hey, this thing's going great. And you know, when can it stop? And, and they do that. And then they, all, you know, and they all got hammered. I, I think the, the problem was really, you can, you can dissect in many ways to Sunday, but at the end of the day it was my responsibility my responsibility to make sure that the platform was ready to go live. And I failed in that responsibility. I failed in it. Had I, it, had I had the opportunity to, to live it again, and unfortunately we don't really get that. Um, the attributes, the token attributes on the platform are such that it, it encourages nefarious behavior. Uh, you, you know, in essence, you have to have price match risk and you have to remove economic incentives that promote risky behavior uh, and forsake the, the, the safety and, and, and the safety of others. And that's a core principle. And, and I personally did not live up to it with you um, with that platform launch and a lot. And, and it really centers around if a token price action is incredibly volatile you really cannot have a high collateral factor against an asset like that that is volatile um the ability to borrow e-residual right where yeah i mean if you're doing it because you're bullish and you want to lever up in like a moonshot then you're going to wind all that jazz like like that that's one way of kind of using the token and the platform and stuff but do we really is that really a called a responsible way to run a, a, a platform that's really looking to endear itself to institutions to like let folks come here and, and be a casino with our own token? Um, I just, you know, principally that doesn't align with who we are. And, and had we had we been better at thinking a, through the alpha test period what could go wrong with the combination of tokens and assets uh we probably could have well we would have made different decisions who knows what the outcome would have been but all all i can tell you is that there are ways to do things better than we had uh and i think between our pricing committees and our councils uh and, and even the changes like i said we're, we're looking to vote on this week to put into place will Will, will put us not only to be better than we were at launch, but we seek to be the best out there. So I, I do apologize that that you you lost money, um, you know, putting that promise into us and, and having that taken away. And and uh, you know, all I can do is ask to earn your respect again. Um, and uh, if if you don't give me that opportunity, hell, I don't blame you because if someone lost a bunch of my money, I, you'd probably be the last person I'd want to talk to. Uh, but but I do appreciate I do appreciate you taking the time tonight to to reach out and, and discuss it with me. Awesome, man. No, thank you so much for that like honest and candid response. And like uh, I think it was Chase who said it's cool because like to have an opportunity to be able to come on a platform like this and hear it kind of from the horse's mouth and from you. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you taking the question, and uh, I'll be buying some e residual tonight. Thank you, my man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, man. We'll uh, we'll do. We'll, what what what's the uh, thing for all time high? ATHs. Yeah. Like, well, I know I know it's a climb, right? But we'll get we'll get some ATHs. So, Howard, we'll it goes around every time a project comes on base base, it pumps. So. Is that right? 
Yeah, might have to see residual pump. Not not financial advice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think someone, my my, uh, my head of uh, of people, my our, our our head chief of human resources, our chief people officer, just told me, just sent me a text that at Mainnet, the conference I went to today, a couple of people got subpoenas at the conference. <laughs> I'm like, okay, oh, yeah, so. That. It's never a boring yeah, day. I wonder who. It is never a boring day. No, and the food was awesome, man. They had some really great salmon uh, and mac and cheese. So if that's their last meal before being hauled off to Rikers, <laughs> you know, they're a worst. They're worth money. What's going on, hey, businessman? Businessman. Hey, guys. Long time listener, first time caller. Uh, Thank you, Howard. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, taking the time to uh, speak with us. I just have uh, one kind of question that's been lingering in the background. Some people that follow me, um, can you speak a little bit? I don't. I, I'm a little late to this call, so I don't know if you've already talked about it. Can, but can you speak a little bit about the uh, fundraising that you guys are doing for the five million, and uh, just kind of behind the scenes what your plan is with that money and how you're gonna. Use it to hopefully uh, grow this uh, token. Yeah, sure. So, um, and I'm, I'm sorry for 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 hogging it, Ryan. Ryan, can I take it? Uh, cool? Yeah, I mean these are business focused. I mean, I'm certainly when when hearing you take responsibility for the platform, I also love myself in with with you taking responsibility. That's all. That's the all 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 I wanted to add. It's it's not just you. It's it's me and you as co-founders and 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 determining that. So I, I didn't want to just. Give it to you. Give it all to you. That's all. Continue on. When you and I I are unstoppable, (laughs) like when we're together and that's, and that's one of the things we decided, right? Like we have the next product launch. We, we're going to, we're going to be in the same room for a couple of days. Like as much as everything's virtual, I think we decided as a company that before any major product launch, we're basically going to war room it so that we don't have this crap happen again. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, 5 million bucks. So, yeah, the um, it's a convertible debt round, meaning uh, I, first off, this isn't an offer to purchase or uh, buy securities. Um, just disclaimer, it's more this descriptive. So it's a five million dollar convertible debt round, meaning that someone would would uh, like I'm an equity holder, right? So I, I just hold equity and then I got a bunch of tokens. Um, this debt round is these folks would would have seniority over me in the event something happens. They'd have seniority to the meaning they get paid from the assets of the company before I would if something happened. Uh, and it's convertible into whatever the next fundraising round we have, uh, whatever that share price is as a discount. This is very typical early stage um, kind of, usually it's pre-revenue and we're actually doing pretty good as a business. So so it's a little unusual to be a startup that actually has got like a kind of a rosy economic outlook right now. Um, but the the uh, the mindset is 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 this uh, okay? So the, the debt converts into to equity, and and then whatever that equity becomes is, is kind of like the future's problem, right? This is like uh, it, it'd be negotiated in the future. There's no tokens involved. It's non-dilutive to the token holders. Um, we we've been explicit in that fact. Uh, uh, again, you know, as a project, Ryan and I. Ryan, me, and the whole company, I think, if you put everybody together, we, we own less than 13% of, of the float. Um, and so of, on the token side, and, and so we respect that, that idea that, look, we're, we're stewards for the token holder community. 
and and so any of this kind of capital raise in the traditional sense, we're not going to have it impugn on the token. In fact, it's kind of an all boats rise situation. I mean, these are debt holders that like fintech, that like debt and equity, and they think the token's nice. And then you have the folks that like the token stuff, they look at the TradFi and go, man, not really in my bag. So, so in a way, we're by keeping them separate, we're we're actually providing a a, a benefit to to both. Um, the use of proceeds. Um, one is we we want to almost double, you know, maybe like two x our engineering team size. We have about like ten engineers. I mean, think about it. We have a pretty deep engineering staff, and they're so awesome. They're just top to bottom decent guys, uh, and um, but there, there are these tickets, you know, there are these projects we want to tackle uh, that I would love just to have like an, another army of engineers building this stuff up. Then the, the, the other stuff is legal and regulatory, probably need about a million bucks to get legal and regulatory compliance up to where um, it needs to be to get the volume. Like when you think about the volume, we're going to be passing through our pipes. Uh, you know, in the billions, I know that $40 billion number that I thought we were going to hit by the end of the year. Uh, and that clearly not, you know, at some point we will be at that number, right? Hopefully sooner rather than later. And the, the rails from a legal and compliance standpoint to, to maintain and monitor and control that on behalf of our clients or with our clients isn't going to be cheap. Uh, and then another piece of it is just like the exchange listings, right? Like everyone's like, Hey, when, when tier one, when this and that, you know, a Binance listing, if that were on the table, you know, that's a million bucks. Uh, when we talk about liquidity pools, even on the DEXs, we're talking, you, you know, wanting to put some treasury into those LP pools. Well, you, you know, going to take a million bucks. So you can see right there, like a $5 million raise, especially on a company right now that has at least a, a token market cap of a hundred million bucks. Um, Five million bucks doesn't, doesn't take you that far. So, the the idea is is have the investors of the five million be managing directors of private equity funds, be the Adrocene Horowitz guys, be the Draper Holm guys, be the folks, be the Galaxy, the Novogratz guys, be the guys that that when we go for the Series A to go out and try to raise more, um, they're already in and they're excited about the prospects. I have talked to our attorneys about like, man, I would really love to like, is there a way to kind of get the community holders into where they can participate. Obviously, I can't market it, right? I can't market a, a SEC registered. Well, here's the good news, right? So March Capital, the broker dealer, that's the placement agent, ran this through FINRA. So, so for all intents and purposes, a, a, a US Treasury, SEC, you know, FINRA body, you know, has seen us and has basically, you know, they don't, they don't, green light projects they just don't that they'll just stop bad ones from going out but they won't tell you you're good the fact that we have been able to launch this with a 30 year old broker dealer old school out of chicago uh getting you know finra's you, you know not negative comment um really says a lot uh, but i did talk to the attorneys about gosh is there a way i can kind of bring the token holders in on on something like that but it's just at this point it's like it's two separate worlds right the sec doesn't want people selling tokens as securities unless they register them as securities and at that point you might as well do an equity raise 
So I, I know there's kind of a long-winded response, but that's the five million bucks uh, used for development, non-diluted to the token holders, uh, and sets us up for the Series A. That's great, man. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to answer that. Yeah, no worries. And if you need more information, March Capital is the broker dealer. Um, you know, you could you could always call them. I don't think there's anything against the law <laughs> reaching out to them. You just can't ask me to for to to buy it. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Bisman. What up, Snapper? All right, can you hear me? Yeah, we get. Yeah, we, I, wonderful. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you guys. Hey, Howard and uh, Ryan, I'm just, you know, I just want to tell you first of all how much I just appreciate your humbleness and leadership as someone mm -hmm. who's been executives in big companies and had lots of employees. It's just such a breath of fresh air to have something that's perceived as a mistake or a shortcoming just get owned by those at the top versus passing the buck or making excuses. Um, or doing those kind of things, regardless of where the true fault may lie, because at the end of the day, those of us that lead, we're ultimately responsible for the decisions we make. And it's just it's just nice to hear that. And it's one of the reasons that I really love this project. The, um, the, the question I have that I think is important that I'd love to hear you speak to is whether it be specific to the DeFi industry or your project, what, what would you guys say is your strongest advantage um, I have my own thoughts on that, but I'd love to hear what you guys feel is ultimately your your real um, double-edged sword or super advantage in what you guys are trying to do. Oh, I love that. I like that. that's a media question, and thank you, thank you for the appreciation. You know, le leadership is is about, in my mind, followership, and um, I just try to be the person. I work from fairness. I just try to be the person that when I, you know, if I'm working. For a company, or if I'm I'm an investor in the business, I want to be able to kind of be able to look pass a sniff test, you know, be able to look my mom in the eye when when she's around and be like, yeah, I'm I'm working for so and so, and they're an honorable person. So we just try to be the just try to be an example there. Uh, and plus, I find it's also easier to work from one version, right? The truth, the beautiful thing about the truth is there's only one version. And if you live by it and, and you lead by it, you don't have to remember as much. <laughs> you just gotta remember the one thing that what actually happened. So uh, I appreciate that. So Ryan, what do you, I, I wanna kick this to you. What, what do you think our competitive advantages are? Um, I, I think it's where, where, I mean, even when we talk about in the diner, right? You've been following me play around with DeFi and crypto for a while, right? I'm, I'm in the weeds. I love this stuff. All I do is play with it, like in my free time. You know, I'm coming from the tech side. I'm super passionate about how all this stuff works. You know, I have my, my I had my ideology back in the past. And then you come from a straight finance background, right? And the Dharma paper was perfect, right? I'm like, oh, I love this paper, blah, blah. And you're like, all the terminology's wrong, all of this. I think our secret sauce is you're marking it up. It. And I'm just like, my head's exploding because I, you know, I've learned so much about finance uh, in, in the past couple of years. Uh, but in the end, I can execute the technology and build engineering team to execute. And then you come and and I feel like I, I don't know how you can describe I don't know how to describe it. But when when we do our talks, you know, every week and you tell me the conversations, 
I feel that you're innovating in the finance space with the relationships that you have from your 20 years experience. I feel the innovation around business and legal and regulatory compliance is going to be the secret sauce. And then I don't feel there's any execution risk. Um, you know, there's always challenges in, in software development and all that, but I feel that I, I can bring to the table just getting key, hands on the keyboard, getting a team that's highly yeah. motivated, and then you're innovating on that side. And I feel that innovation is really gonna lock the people in, and then there's no risk on, okay, this is what we're building, this is the roadmap, this is what we're gonna do. Uh, and then we just do it. So I feel that's the secret sauce. And then we enable the rest of our team to to follow behind that. You you brought on JR. I mean, the analysis he's done around collateral and coming from a hedge fund background and the Excel spreadsheets and the analysis that he's done. I, I really feel in six months, you've brought on someone who's gonna be an industry leader on how to manage crypto and baskets of crypto and manage a lending platform and treasury. Like, it's just amazing to see you bring in leaders who we i you know i help get up to speed in defi and crypto and, and yeah. get them up to speed on crypto and and then we just execute so i i feel like that's the secret sauce it means a lot of times early startups it's about the team and about what they're willing to do and then me and you can slog through a lot of difficulties and come out the other side with respect for each other and and, and founder risk is not as a non-issue like we're, we're going to plow forward and execute for our community and our team regardless you know we're we're, we're, we're there's no way we're, we're dropping this ball no and it's funny uh jr ran into me tonight and uh i have to get him his uh hoodie yeah. and i'm literally in the parking lot and he's like uh man i love ohm he loves ohm so yeah. much he wants to marry yeah. it you know that yeah i mean he, i mean it was in may when he he was talking through the golf course we're doing our e-residual we had a bunch of community members and we're playing golf and he's like this bonding approach is going to be and how they manage treasury is going to be a different approach on how people are giving coins away to incentivize liquidity buildup. Um, it is going to be not a bootstrapping approach. The way they're doing it is going to be a long-term play for viability of company treasuries and doing deals to improve and diversify a treasury and a basket of treasury assets. And I was like, man, yeah. I, I didn't know what he was saying. Like it took like three weeks to, you know, I'm not, I'm a tech guy. But once he's, I started to follow the project and started to stake myself and started to bond myself, I was like, this does feel like an innovative way to, as a next phase of, of, of just providing yield farming tokens to get users and community to coordinate around uh, getting more of your token and gaining more for its utility. It, it seems like a more mm -hmm. of a longer and sustainable approach in their own pro that they have. I, the, the way they articulate what the current problem in DeFi is and how to incentivize folks to to build liquidity and a treasury of a project. Um, I, he That's what I'm saying. In six months, I feel like he's going to be like this DeFi crypto uh, thought leader and, and we want to get his brain, brain out. Yeah, so I, I, just, I love, yeah, I we love do. him. We do. <laughs> I love that guy. Yeah, we have to yeah. get him out in front yeah. of, I, I think we really need to bring him out. Yeah. And, and he... Um, yeah, he, he he was, you know, he got in touch with the guys, with the founders over there, and he had some initial convos. And I, I said to him tonight, I was like, get it to Chris. You know, Chris will drive, you know, the multi-chain and the poly-chain discussion. Mm -hmm. I know this is a, a little bit different than that, but yeah. 
You know, we, we, we have the people to hand that off to. Yep. And, and I, I, I think the competitive advantage in, in part is it, it's all, it's the listening, yep. you, you know, it's, it's the people and, and, and it's not even cliche. I mean, it's literally like, Hey, you guys need to consider this. That's why I'm excited about the forum going up, right? That, that we'll have a place home territory where we could start, like I said, a Dow migration by 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 having a formal way of percolating up thoughts from the community, uh, and and then packaging it, getting feedback, and then I I think the other thing with us is we're good at execution. Like we say, we're going to do something, right? New websites coming out, that's moving along. We got this website out, we got this overlay, we got the product launch. That there there really isn't. Um, not to say that we're we're unfuddable, but we certainly, if people are looking for proof that we're not just talking out our our butts and that we're actually executing what we say we will, you can see that history. You can look at the medium posts. You can you can look at at the white paper and see how we're we're knocking it out. Um, so I, I would say that ability to execute. And and the diversity of the team; th those are our competitive advantages. All right, thank you so much, guys, and and thank you, Mewtwo, Super High, and Chase for uh, finally having Howard on. You guys have such a great show and a great format. I'm just proud of your success as well. We appreciate that more than you know for sure, or at least I do personally. I know I know the team does as well, but I just spoke for them. appreciate that. Thank you. We appreciate it. Cool, cool. Um, cool. I think uh, Howard, actually, before before we let you go, I did have one last uh, question. I know you tweeted out a little while ago, uh, maybe a few weeks ago, and actually tagged Mark Cube, and I was curious if you could comment on like what that was about. You know, it it's funny, right? He's he's obviously kind of a a big deal in the space, uh, and I've had the pleasure really through my crypto adventure you know everyone has their own crypto path um where you know somebody like a sports agent that's an e-residual holder had connected us and um i mean he was it, it's amazing when you talk to people that when i say money literally mean doesn't mean anything like he's not living on this plane anymore right he's not living on this 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 existence plane from a finance perspective. He is nothing but I think he's just a really decent human being and um kind of just a, a brass tax entrepreneur. Uh and in the conversation, he was simply he simply said he's like just, you know, he's like, let me know when, you know, as you get banks, right? So like we got the percent deal, uh, which is an alternative lender. We have the MOU. He was like, he's like, let, let me know. And um, we have through our network, some other inroads to him. And because I met him through this sports agent thing, and then separately, now we actually know someone that we're affiliated with. There's kind of a, like a kind of a big brothers watching kind of deal, right? Not to say that it means anything, right? I mean, there's probably, I, I'm, I'm gonna assume he fields a thousand emails and messages a day from projects 
not even in crypto, right? Every, everything from, you, you know, making linens to, to sending people to space. I'm sure, I'm sure try to bend his ear. Uh, but, you know, he, he asked to be informed when we did it. And, and I was, I was following suit. So I think that's, that's all I'll say about that right now. I, I love in the, in the threads that I've, I've been able to see happen between, between him you know I, i'm an avid shark tank i've watched every episode of shark tank i'm a born entrepreneur i came to san francisco 15 years ago just because i wanted to go to the epicenter at the time i'm not saying it's that now but it, he really holds you to metrics that we should you know we need to care about and we always need to be disciplined around product releases number of users per product number of customers number of revenue running through the pipes he's very adamant shark tank all that he's very disciplined so he he adds when he when he chat when I see the chats, it it, it enforces and and builds that discipline and what we should think about you know as a company you know it's all about onboarding users all about running money through the pipes it's all about delivering products people like and and validating we're solving a customer's need and it's it's just great to, I, I just enjoy it because I'm an average shark, shark tank watcher and I, I like watching the, the I like watching the discipline dad. he has yeah. across all businesses right and evaluating them. Isn't he like he's kind of like the dad of all entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? Like you go in and you're like, look at this cool hat, look at this cool stuff we did, and he's like, well, did you clean your room? Did you uh, did you do the dishes? No. <laughs> Who cares about your hat? You know, do dishes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, you'll keep us in suspense. What's happening with Mark? I'm. Uh... I'm kind of thinking he's going to be an advisor, but maybe I could be off base. <laughs> uh, well, Howard, Ryan, really, really appreciate both of you just come, taking the time out, coming on the base space. I know for myself and the team, we, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks for everybody that joined. Thanks for taking the time out of your, your, your Monday evening. I, you know, Ryan, it's always great to hang out, bro. You know, Ryan, you and I don't get to hang out that much. So this is, I kind of look at this as like, good like bro time yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's always good to see that we, we we do collaborate we do we do interact quite quite a bit we we have a natural uh oh of way of keep it keeping each other uh up to date and in sync with each other so hope everyone got a gist of that <laughs> it, it's good to hear us both together people get a gist for the uh just for the flow that we that's how we work yeah that's how we work <laughs> hey yeah, right on, on, i love it we we do record these. Do you mind if we upload it on our YouTube? And if there's a a part you need cut it uh cut out, we can do that as well. No, no, just go ahead. Trans. Let me tell you, transparency. Right. My my feeling is that if everybody is working from the same information, they'll generally come to the same conclusions. So and and, and the honesty and only one version of the truth. So if I if I wasn't comfortable, um. I wouldn't have said it, right? If I if I if I if I didn't think it was gonna be out there for the you know for all time. So you're in good shape. I, I appreciate you 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 putting it out there for folks and, and hopefully the people that are listening, when it does go up, let other folks know they can kind of get a beat on where we are and uh we'll go from there. Yeah, we'll um we'll actually send you the link over as well when we tweet it out and uh y'all could retweet it as well if you'd like. Cool. Yeah. All boats rise. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. Stay base. Stay base. Stay base. All right, guys.